Well, hey, <laughs> it's great to be here again in your lovely church, in your little community here, and just uh, share the word, share the music. Um, just driving down here tonight in the uh, sun setting over in the west, um, had a little more light and a little more warmth than it has for the past few weeks, and just kind of getting that, just a little sense of hope that spring's coming and we're coming out of this so yeah it was great so tonight um i thought it'd be fun to uh to just focus on on gospel songs songs that uh, none of these were written uh well all of these were written before 1900 and uh, probably familiar to most of you at least i hope so because i'm counting on you to sing <laughs> and uh it'll be uh a joy to uh, to share that together and focus as uh, as we will on what are the themes that uh, is prevalent in many of the gospel songs, um, and that's the theme of redemption through the blood. So let's start with Jesus paid it all because he did. And, uh, and sing with I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray.
So Jesus paid it all. That was written in uh, 1865 by Elvina Mabel Hall, who wrote the first draft on, a, on the flyleaf of a hymnal when she was singing in the chorus uh, at the Methodist Episcopal Church in, in Baltimore, in Baltimore, Maryland. And Nothing But the Blood was written in 1877 by Robert Lowry. He was a preacher, prolific hymn writer. Uh, he wrote over 500 hymns. And uh, among them are Shall We Gather by the River and How Can I Keep from Singing, one of my favorite songs. So today we'll take a gospel journey in one of gospel music's favorite themes, redemption through the blood of Jesus. And I think gospel says it better than any other song we're singing today. And I'm just uh, so excited to be sharing the gospel with you and the gospel music with you. Um, today as well. Each one we're going to be singing today is uh, written before 1900, and the common theme is even more relevant today than when when they were written. You know, we're all we're all sinners. We're all born in sin, surrounded by sin, corrupted by sinful desires, surrounded by a sin-filled culture, governed by sinners, trapped in sinful relationships. The list of ways that we sin seem endless. 
But given this bleak picture in today's dominant culture, we might even believe things are irredeemable. Is that a word that you've heard before? Irredeemable? Um, we might be considered, we might consider ourselves irredeemable. So we talk about redemption. Well, what, is, what does redemption mean? What, is, what does that word mean? What's the, the concept behind it? And why, why has it got to do with us and the blood and, and so on and so forth? Uh, what does it look like to be redeemed? What's blood got to do with it? Redemption is rescue. Redemption is when you pay off a debt or a debt is paid off for you. Redemption makes up for our mistakes. It delivers us from rightful punishment. When you're redeemed through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, you are freed both from sin and its penalty. Your debt is paid, and you are restored to your true identity, who you really are, and your rightful place as God's cherished and beloved sons and daughters Claim it, because it's yours, each one of us. There was a musical that came out recently. You may have may have seen it. Uh, I think it was just streamed on TV. It was called Spirited. Uh, it starred Will Ferrell and, and Ryan Reynolds. Um, it's based on the Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and the basic premise being that uh, this, this group of, I don't know, angels or whatever they were, uh, were... Uh, tasked to find irascible humans like Scrooge, um, whose behavior required redemption. Um, the Ryan Reynolds character was identified as irredeemable. And, uh, and he sings a song. It's a great song called Irredeemable. Um, and it includes lines like, uh, am I forever irredeemable? Can I ever overcome all the wrongs that I'm running from? Can my worst be left behind? Can I be the man who breaks from a lifetime of mistakes if I'll ever be someone who makes up for all I've done? Irredeemable. Not redeemable. Unredeemable. Have you ever felt that about yourself? Have you ever felt that about your own behavior, your own situation, that something you've done makes you irredeemable? Worthless, a failure to yourself or to others. My friends, I know I have. I've felt that. And it's been a journey finding my way back to the truth of my own redemption. Have you experienced that and been on that journey? If so, I'd love to talk to you about it some more. So, how then is redemption accomplished? Well, we need to start out by understanding that redemption is all about restoring you to your true relationship with God, our Creator, in whose perfect image He made you. And you. And you. And you. Every one of us. Redemption and restoration has to do with atonement. Another word that we sang in the gospel hymn we just finished. Atonement, if you break down that word, is at one mint. At one mint. I guess I should do it this way. At one mint. 
And that means you're at one with the Father. Being at one with the Father, no separation, none. At one mint. You seek atonement at one mint, no separation from the Father. Now here's here's how that works. In the Old Testament of the Bible, this was accomplished through animal sacrifice where the blood of the animal that was offered became a a ritual cleansing of the sins of the person who made the offering. In Leviticus, Moses lays the foundation, and he speaks on behalf of the Lord when he says in, in chapter 17, verse 11, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. At one mint. As we learn in the, in the New Testament Gospels, through the life of Christ Jesus, Jesus steps in as the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God as that sacrifice. He takes our place as a substitute and gives His life and sheds His blood on our behalf, in order to save us from our sinful selves, to restore us to a rightful relationship with our Father, with God. Now, we can't earn this. Most of us don't deserve it. (laughs) But there it is. There it is. It's already accomplished. Already done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. So let's sing a couple more gospel hymns. What do you say? Keep in mind now this this idea of atonement and blood being shed for us as part of the the sacrifice to to make us or create a at one minute once again with our with our Father. There's also a part of this, you may not know it, I think some of you do, where you, where you echo me. So I want to hear that echo. Ready? There is power, power, wonder work is power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder work is power in the precious There's wonder 
Yeah. 
guys sing well. <laughs> That's so much fun. Sing the gospel like this. Mm. Well, Power in the Blood was written in 1899 by <clears throat> Lewis Edgar Jones, who wrote almost 200 hymns, and they were just a hobby for him. He was, uh, uh, he wrote uh, Power in the Blood at a camp meeting in uh, Maryland. Um, he was trained at the Moody Institute, and, and he spent his career in YMCA work. He wrote that in 1899. There is a fountain. It's the oldest one that we'll sing today. It was written in 1771 by William Cooper, who was an English poet. He was a contemporary of John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. Not surprisingly, he was also uh, an abolitionist. Cooper was an abolitionist as well, and uh, an evangelical. And, and you'll re recognize this bit of verse that he wrote from one of his poems. This is a quote. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. That's a quote from Cooper. Well, this redemptive, restorative blood of the Lamb, at the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples, Jesus shared the bread and wine, saying that the bread was his body broken for you. And of the wine in Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is my blood of the covenant. Well, what, what does Jesus mean? And what's a covenant got to do with it? What's a covenant got to do with redemption or restoration? Well, a covenant is a set of binding promises that's usually made between two entities, two people or two businesses uh, that uh, structure and, and govern the relationship. You know, we're familiar with what we call the, the covenant of marriage. We see covenant mentioned throughout the Bible in both the Old Testament and the New Testament where God promises to care for the people. As the people, as the people obey his commandments. In some ways, the, the Bible is actually a record of the covenants that God has made with his people. Um, and the history of the ways we've broken it. <laughs> For example, in the beginning, God made humans in his image and likeness, Adam and Eve for the purpose of having a relationship with them and taking care of his creation and, and one another. God promises they'll live in the garden. And have all good things, but can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The forbidden tree. As we all know, they disobey God and sin enters the world. Well, following as the Bible moves forward, God covenants with Noah. Noah of build the ark fame. And he promises that if Noah follows his direction, God will ensure that there will be no more floods. God covenants then with Abraham and Sarah, who, as you all know, are well beyond childbearing age, that if Abraham is faithful to the promises between him and God, that he'll give him a family, and the family will become the nation of Israel. Moses was given the commandments for the Israelites to obey, in return for which God covenants with the people to free them from Egyptian bondage and establish a nation in the promised land. And we read in Deuteronomy 26, verse 18, 
where Moses is, is instructing the Israelites. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised, and that you are to keep his commandments. King David, again, moving through the Old Testament, King David builds a temple to God, and God promises to raise up a king out of David's descendants. So in Jeremiah, we read in um, Jeremiah 31, verses uh, 31 to 34, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. That is the, the crux of the covenants that God keeps making with us. I will be your God, and you will be my people. As with other prophets, like Isaiah in the Old Testament, Jeremiah is foretelling the coming of the Messiah, who will show the way to the forgiveness of mankind sinning against God and the restoration of the relationship that God seeks with us. This is the new covenant that Jesus refers to in the, in the Last Supper. This new covenant is to be everlasting. God will write his law on the hearts of the people being, and bring complete forgiveness of sin, raise up a faithful king from the line of David who will restore all that has been broken. Redemption, rescue. Jesus the rescuer, our savior. Redemption for the irredeemable. And here we have Jesus in Matthew 26, verse 28, talking about my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of sins. There is power in the blood. Can I get an amen? There is power in the blood, the blood that's shed for you, that cleanses you, that washes your sins away. As we sing in so many gospel songs. How does God buy us back from our sinning ways? How does God redeem us from our sinning ways? Rescue us? Restore? Well, we all know the answer, which is in John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is power in the blood. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's a song we're not going to sing tonight, but it's a good one. (laughs) Do you believe Jesus shed his blood for you? Died for you and sent the Holy Spirit to live inside you? Do you feel the freedom, the freedom, that comes only through knowing how much Jesus loves you, how much he gave for you. The last couple of songs we'll sing, Blessed Assurance and Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, 
There are a couple of wonderful, wonderful gospel tunes to wrap up today's gathering. Fanny Jane Crosby wrote the lyrics, and uh, Phoebe Palmer Knapp shared the music for Blessed Assurance. They wrote that in 1873. Crosby is credited with writing eight to 9,000 hymns. <laughs> eight to 9,000 hymns. She's known as the queen of gospel songwriters. She was a mission worker in New York City. She was born blind, blind from birth. And she set a goal that her hymns should bring a million people to Christ. The author of Leaning uh, was also a prolific hymn writer, although he only wrote 2,000 gospel hymns. (laughs) Elisha Hoffman was his name, and he wrote Leaning on the Everlasting Arms in 1887. So let's sing some more gospel.
Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Finally, because we are redeemed... The Holy Ghost is upon us. We are reconciled to God and there is continual cleansing of our sins. We are sanctified. We are perfected. And God does not remember our sins. Because of the redemptive blood, we have victory over the enemy. And we are protected. You are covered Your problems are covered. Your home is covered. Your family is covered. Your community is covered. I pray this in his almighty name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.